Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there, this is Ange McCabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance, where our business is the success of your business. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, facilitator, and your co-host, along with Scott Rust of the Elevate Business Podcast. The Elevate Business Podcast is a journey of discovery fueled by curiosity to genuinely understand what makes people tick when it comes to their professional path, choices made, and the personal characteristics that drive performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately success. The Elevate Business Podcast is here to promote the enormous contribution of small and medium-sized businesses around the world by exploring the actions that make a workplace successful, the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of an organization, and how we build whole person leaders from the ground up. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, growing our learning edges, and honoring our passions with a special guest who has elevated their businesses, overcome obstacles, and inspires others to do the same. So glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to episode number 34 of the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Todd Eusen, who is a digital surgery pioneer envisioning the future of surgical intelligence. Working within the medical industry for the past two decades, Todd has led teams as president of the Orthopedic Organizations and Olympus Corporation. Now serving as CEO at Active Surgical, he is empowering his team to develop surgical intelligence to help see what humans cannot. Welcome, Todd. How are you? We're doing well, thank you, and yourself? I'm doing fantastic, and um, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. So Todd, tell us a little bit more about yourself, the company, the role that you play, and a little bit about your journey. Journey. We're really curious as to Mm -hmm. uh, the steps that brought you here. Well, it's interesting, Uh, Active Surgical, we're getting closer to not being called a startup anymore based on our value and, and the money we've been lucky enough to raise. But I'm a true, truly not a, um, a traditional startup entrepreneur, uh, smart, brilliant young engineer. Uh, as I, as I, I don't think I have to remind many people, I'm neither uh, young, smart, nor an engineer. And, um, <laughs> you know, I've been in, I've been in med tech, uh, the medical technology space for pretty much my whole career. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've been really lucky to cut my teeth at some fantastic companies and be given some fantastic opportunities to grow and develop. And uh, I spent 13 years at Boston Scientific in various ro- roles and commercial and some global roles. And, and my last role, I had the, the pleasure of leading the United States in, in a neurovascular um, division out of, out of California. And it was really a great, wonderful experience to, to get that firsthand opportunity to lead an entire country, if you will. Uh, from there, I went to Smith and Nephew, and I know you mentioned orthopedics at the beginning. That's the uh, uh, Smith and Nephew is one of the top three orthopedic companies in the world, and I had the chance to uh, do various roles there and, and lead different divisions. My last role, I was the president of all of orthopedics at, at Smith and Nephew, 
And that was another great opportunity to really uh, get into a space that I love. I love the doctors. I love the people. I love the sellers. I love the marketers. I love the developers of product. Um, and then from there, I, I was uh, had the, the great pleasure of, of being recruited to Olympus. And Olympus, a top 20 uh, med device company as well, the global leader in, in GI and pulmonary scope technology, as well as devices. And um, I had the opportunity to lead, um, to be the president of all of medical there. So to lead... Uh, we started at six divisions and we ended with uh, 11 functioning divisions uh, mm -hmm. through collaboration, through acquisition, uh, through adjacencies. Uh, and it was really a wonderful experience and with tremendous leadership and tremendous leaders um, on a team that, you know, my team that, that allowed uh, me to produce and allowed the, the company to grow. And I was very, very proud of that. And then I came over to Active Surgical. And um, the reason I bring that up is what's different is you come from a place where you're running one, two, three, you know, there's companies that are five and seven billion dollar P and L's. And I come over to active and I, I don't have a P and L, I just have an L. And, <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, it's my, it's up to me to go get the P. And um, we're, 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 we're in a really good space and a, and a good opportunity to do that. And um, active was uh, founded in 2017. The company uh, completed the world's first fully autonomous robotic surgery of soft tissue. Uh, our founder, Dr. Peter Kim, was at Children's National Medical Center, um, and with a, a great partnership there, and Dr. Kim uh, completed this technology back in 2015-2016. Uh, the technology, the work was published in Science Magazine, and the company became a company in 2017. And uh, since that time, and I'm happy to talk about that, it's we're not building a robot, because to build a robot, you go and hopefully gain 2 3 4% of the market. We, we have a technology that works with all robotic systems, all scope systems, all laparoscopic, uh, minimally invasive systems. So we can be in every procedure and help patients uh, across the world. And I'm, I'm happy to share as we go forward a little mm -hmm. more about the, the, the detail of the company. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so throughout your journey, you know, moving across the industries in the sense of using your words, going from P&L to just the L, um, what has, I guess, what has fueled you? throughout this journey. We, we want to hear more about, you know, kind of what plants your feet on the floor every single morning as a CEO. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, I've my entire life, I was lucky when I was young and, and I competed in sports and I competed in sports through college and, and I was really honored and, and blessed. And I, and I, it, it forces a great time management system uh, to play a, a sport where you're on planes all week with tutors traveling with you and big conferences and and then have to maintain your grades. You, you really learn some time management, um, but also the competitive nature that you have. I, I got into medical um, years ago because uh, personal, my, my mother had uh, multiple sclerosis and um, you know, I was somewhat inquisitive and, and never understood how someone that could have such healthy kids and healthy family could have a disease like that. And so mm -hmm. I was just intrigued by um, being in the medical world and working towards um, making sure that we make a difference for patients. And the reason I say that, Angie, is because every day when I wake up, those two things, um, I'm not playing anymore, but I love coaching. And whether it was my kids, whether it was high-level uh, sports teams that traveled or, you know, AAUs and all of those things, um, to the business world, I've always been grounded because I love coaching. Um, I'm not a big title person. I like being part of a team. I love making sure that I empower and develop people and they can go do great things um, and tell me what and what to do. But I also keep my feet on the ground because I realize that it's all about the patient. 
I'm not trying to make robotics better. I'm not trying to make surgeons better. I'm not trying to bring a technology that's going to make me millions of dollars. It's never really my thought process. I'm not that. It's We have something that's going to make um, patients better, reduce complications, um, help overall uh, healthcare. And and I know it sounds like, well, there's no way that's true. And it really is. It's always been my mission. It's always been going in there and talking realistic. And um, it's not selling. It's not doing anything. It's, hey, I have something that's going to make a difference for you. And those patients mm-hmm. who are on the operating room table every single day, it's not only them that I think about. I think of their families that are in the waiting room freaking out because they have someone on the operating room table. And I want to make sure that um, I'm, I'm grounded because we're bringing a technology that will make a difference. So. I hope that makes sense, but it's, it's no more or less than that. It's, I love coaching. I love developing people. I love watching. I love when people shine and I want to make sure that we're delivering something that helps patient outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that really resonates Todd with the, even the work that we do here in 2D performance. And it sounds like you take very much a, a people first approach to it. And I even noticed like when you're describing your, your past experiences and your role, uh, even in coming out as saying, like, you know, I wasn't, I'm not really a startup, uh, you're a classic startup, young uh, coder and smart. I'm going to challenge you, especially on the smart piece there. We can talk about the other ones maybe at a later date. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the fact that you talked about your journey, but not just your journey, but all the people that were part of it and that helped you kind of move forward within that. And so I guess coming at it from that people first approach, what has been some of your learnings uh, as a CEO in terms of empowering others and maybe some challenges and how you might even overcome them? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a really good question, Scott, because I've always, I don't think it's a fine line, but I've, I've been this way since I was a young first level manager. It's always been about people. And I've had managers and I've had people that I reported to that would say, well, the, you call it empowering, Todd. I call it delegating. And you need to know every single thing that's going on. You need to be in there. You got to make sure they get it. I'm like, then you have the wrong people. It, mm. You know, if, if you can empower and you can make, let people be great mm-hmm. and shine and hold them accountable, absolutely accountable, set clear direction, but develop people that they want to go out there. I want the people that I hire. I want people that want my job. Every single person I've ever hired, whether they were 15 levels below, five levels below, one level below or what have you, it doesn't make a difference. I want people who want to grow and want to expand and, um, you know, I want to help make them better. So I think people, I think maybe being part of a team, you know, my whole life, um, I realized that, um, you know, when I was a, you know, I I was asked the question recently is, is what resonated when I was a a, a freshman in college, um, you know, playing, I was playing baseball in college. And when you walk into a, a, there's opportunities when you're a freshman to either be pushed aside as a, as a, somebody that that's coming in to play ball from a, someone that's an upperclassman or upperclassman, you might be competing with them, take you under their wing and they want to watch you get better, even if you might take their jobs. And that's the experience that I had. And I never forgot that. I said, wow, I, you know, the, and, and that's the way I've always tried to be. Um, mm-hmm. Let someone get, come and get my job. That just makes me work harder and keep pushing forward. But then I have a team of people that really care about each other and want to go after the same mission. So people first has always been me. I mean, right now it's, it's a buzzword to say EQ over IQ, but empathetic leadership is, you know, you have to have feeling in your leadership. Everything is not always based on just, um, you have to use a little heart and some of your intuition, (laughs) not just about reading a book and getting, getting stats and dialogue. 
there's a lot of people that don't think of repercussions of, of things that are said, things that are done. Nothing makes me happier than just going and give someone a fist bump, you know, on that uh, one of the engineers and tell them how great their job is. And I actually mean it, mm. but you don't realize the impact that it has on them because that used to be me. And that, that always had an impact on me. So I just, I, I don't, I'm not doing anything special. I really mean that. It's just the way I am. It's all about, it's all about people. And the last thing on that, uh, Scott Mange, you can take a company with a really good technology, super technology and average people, and it will never win ever. You can take a company with a pretty good technology and superstars and it will win. Mm-hmm. Take a company with an unbelievable technology and unbelievable superstars and it will always win. So people are the thing that make the difference. Technologies, they're all, they're out there. There's a lot of smart people developing, but they don't know how to run the business or work with people or trust people. And I don't mean I do. I don't mean it like that. I mean, but I, count, <laughs> I mean, I count on people that do, and I want to surround myself with people. I know my weaknesses. And, and if you look at the team that surrounds me, the areas that I'm strong at, that's fine. The areas that I'm weak at, there's people on my team that actually those are their strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think if you complement each other, you build a great organization. So mm-hmm. a lot of things are resonating there, Todd, and I'm sure you can read it in our body language. Scott and I are both kind of leaning in <laughs> because you are a resemblance or you are an actual example, the application of knowledge to action, uh, which oftentimes is what we're coaching on as part of our pillar within our business you're speaking a lot about the people and how people generally speaking are your assets of your company. And so from that lens, can you tell us a little bit more about your vision for your team at, at uh, active surgical? Yeah, well, the, the, the vision is again, it's still about the ultimate vision. It's still about patience. And, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing the, the best that you can about re- reducing complications for patients. But when, when you look at a company, we, we, we say that we're, um, you know, from a technical standpoint, the computer vision engine of the operating room. So we, we envision a future of true collaborative or autonomous surgery where surgical intelligence, things that are way above me, can empower scopes and robots to, we're seeing things that humans can't see. So we want to make sure that we're bringing that to the operating room. Uh, our founder, Dr. Peter Kim, uh, is, a, is brilliant. But Dr. Kim cannot be in every surgery around the world at the same time. Dr. Kim's information and insights can be. So mm-hmm. every time a doctor is in a, in a surgical procedure, Dr. Kim's data, as well as a bunch of Dr. Kim's uh, colleagues and people from all across the industry, crowdsource data, can identify key landmines and landmarks, key areas to, to cut in if it's surgery and key areas to avoid um, if it's vessels or something you can damage. But that information needs to be in the hands of doctors because, again, the people part is every patient in the world should have the confidence that their doctor, whether their surgeon has done one surgery of a specific specialty or 5,000 surgeries of that same specialty, every patient should have the trust and confidence to that doctor has the same information available to him or her to make that surgery a success. I compare it oftentimes, Ange, if you think about, um, I look at drive, driving cars now. And when, you know, I think about when I got my license when I was 16 or 17 year old, um, you know, if I wanted to back up, I leaned, I turned around. If I wanted to look in my side view mirror, I did, but then there was a blind spot. So I peek over my shoulder. Um, now a 16 year old can get their driver's license 
and they still have to do all of those things. But when they were when they're in reverse and they're about to crash into a cone that they can't see or a wall, the car might beep really loud or and it may stop some cars or there might be a big flashing orange light on your side view mirror right now to tell you that, hey, um, there's someone in your blind spot. And uh, so that 16 year old is a much better driver today than they were when I first learned. I, and and I, I'm still relying on intuition now and experience. But we say the same things in surgery. So a new surgeon should have the same information available, should have the rear view camera, should have the side view mirror, should have a beeping sound, all these things that can help him or her perform better surgery mm-hmm. that, that the Dr. Peter Kims of the world can be providing them with his or her data. So it's a broad vision, but at the end of the day, it's um, uh, if someone usually asks me my vision, I don't explain it that long. It's pretty much a couple sentences, but it's pretty <laughs> You know, but for this for this discussion, I wanted to make sure that I explained it, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's still all about the patient. Yeah, well, we can really see even when you speak about that vision, Todd, the passion that you bring to it, and mm-hmm. the meaning behind it, and it isn't you know, the point is really going creating something to be able to consolidate information from experts, be able to empower others, and therefore provide patients with better uh, better results at the end of the day and empower their health. And so I guess shifting gears a little bit and looking more maybe towards how do you apply that same analogy of, you know, the, the rear view camera or the blind spot uh, or, or the loud beeping when we're coming, when we're talking maybe about building your team and bringing on whether it be new team members that maybe don't have the, the experience. Um, how, how, what are some pain points that maybe you've, you've had bringing on new team members and how have you empowered them? How have you elevated their skills? Well, I think it's a good question, and and I think a a, a, a real trap in hiring and recruiting is is we all have biases without knowing them. They're unconscious biases that you hire people that you've maybe worked with in the past, not necessarily the people, but are like them or know the story or mm. times have changed or you know someone that knows what I know might be great, but you know what? That's not true. So I think you have to make sure that you're open. Uh, to new ideas and new thoughts and, and, and eliminating a lot of those unconscious biases um, to, to hire someone that's just like you. I mean, that's a, that's a dangerous thing, but something we've all done. So I think some of the, the I don't know if it's pain points or just learning for me as well, the, the difference in, a, in a, a startup world versus these big corporate cultures is um, in a big corporate culture as a president with two to 3,000 people that are in your organization. If you want, you say, we have to do this marketing project and within a couple of days, you'll have 15 people at your door with this marketing presentation. And don't get me wrong, that's the way it's supposed to be and it's great. Here, you want the marketing project? Yeah, get on the whiteboard and start creating it. You know, I'm the, I'm marketing, I'm customer service, I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing all the things that, you know, you have to do, but I, and I love it. It's, it's, it's what I've really enjoyed is, um, I've had engineering teams, but I have, I've had R&D teams in my organization. But what that means, I've had the vice president of R&D and maybe some group directors that came to my meetings. But now I'm walking the floor and I'm sitting with these brilliant young PhDs that are just teaching me so much and watching how they work and the science. So I think surprisingly, it's not the difficult learning for, um, for them. It's difficult for me. I have to make sure that I'm always willing to change and taking advantage of of, of the specifics of the organization. 
I was in a meeting recently and um, the question was asked, so how long does it take till you hire someone or when you inherit someone that they have to, that you, you, you give them to earn your respect? I said, zero time. No one has to earn my respect if I'm the CEO or the president. I have to earn their respect because they're the number one reason why people leave a company is they fire their boss. Um, that that's 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 just in history. That's not anything new. So when you're on my team, you know I trust you. Um, yeah, you can work your way off of it, right? If you just don't perform, that's normal with any team. But you don't have to prove anything to me day one. I had to prove to you that I'm worthy of the position. That you you know because I, I I'm I don't look for people. You have to professionally have a courtesy to respect titles, but I don't respect anyone's title. I respect people, mm-hmm. and the people that have the titles and then live up to it, I really respect. Mm-hmm. But just because someone's president or the CEO, they don't they'll get my professional courtesy because they deserve it and they've obviously done something to get to their position. But they don't earn my respect because they have those titles, you know. And and I same way with the organization. I want to make sure that. Um, I am no better than anyone on this team. Uh, none. I, I might just be, may, maybe have worked a little longer. I might've had different training and different, different specialties, but um, we're on the same team. So I think that's the the hard thing to make sure that in a small company that people actually realize that. And when you say you have an open door policy, it doesn't mean it's open, but you're not allowed to come in. It actually means, yeah, we're, we're, we're teammates. Let's go figure this thing out. Without you, I am nothing. I can go sell to the world how great we are, but if you guys aren't going to do all that stuff, I can't do this myself. So I think that's the hardest part is making sure people realize this is just the way I am. Um, and, you know, I, I doesn't work for everyone, um, but so far it's worked for me. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's where I'm going. So hearing that your focus and growing the team is really ensuring that, your team members understand that they are just the hot, they're team members, they're your peers, they're yeah. equal as soon as they walk through the door. Yeah. And, you know, the kind of terms or the, or the, I guess, the cliche words that come up in my mind as you're speaking are things like autonomous, innovation, you know, making sure that it's a safe to fail environment and all of the above with regards to best practices around performance and leadership. And so what is your kind of special sauce when it comes to, distilling this down and, and creating the environment for your team members to thrive? Yeah, I, I think I've always been that fine line of I'm going to give you a lot of rope. Don't don't hurt yourself with the rope might be better today. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. But the, the point is, um, uh, when you when you realize, go when you say fail, it's, a, it's an environment that, you, you know, failure is accepted. I'm not sure that it necessarily accepted. It's just the speed of it. Fail fast. Let's try try new things. If we fail, so what? But let's not wait 10 months and fail. Let's let's find out something doesn't work and let's have backup plans and let's go for it. Don't be afraid to try things. You know, so don't be afraid of failure because you're going to fail more than you succeed and those successes will be good, but do it fast. Have a plan. I, I do believe that you create an environment that, you know, you know, you come from really big companies and 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 everyone always says, yes, yes. Yeah, on any budget questions. Yep. Yep. Everyone says yes. Pass it to the buck above them. Yes, 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 yes. Because ultimately Todd or Todd's boss is going to approve it. No. And if I've just been a believer that you are making the decision for the entire organization right now, if you're going to go spend that $10,000 or that $5,000 or that $100,000, that is a big decision 
$100 dinner on you. Don't ask me if I approve it. You know, I'm, you obviously, we have to follow process, mm. but I want you to come to me and tell me why you need it and why it's real. And you're making the decision on behalf of the company. And magically, people make really good decisions. And all of a sudden, things that they would just pass up and say, yeah, yeah, they'll just approve. I, I think this is a great idea. Let's just do it. And then all of a sudden say, so you'll represent the entire company with these $50 that you're going to spend or these $50,000. <laughs> you know, here's your budget. You're ready to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's the same thing. I, you know, there's a lot of questions in, in management and people say, well, um, it's in my budget or it's not in my budget. I say nothing's in your budget or nothing's out of your budget. Everything's in a budget. Here's the thing. You have a budget of $100 and it's all accounted for. And you need to do something and say, it's not my budget. Say, is it really important? Absolutely. Then tell me which thing it's more important than and take something else out. It's just prioritization. So all of a sudden, I just believe in letting people go figure those things out with the guidance and direction. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've said it since I was a kid in management. You, want, you know, to a salesperson, I want to make more money. Sell more product. Go ahead. You can sell as much as you want. I'll, I'll pay you as much as we can. You know, and um, well, I, I want to, I need to spend more money, but it's not in my budget. If you need it, it's in your budget. You just got to prioritize. So things like that, I, the way I, I look at it, 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 I think it lets people realize you need to make decisions. And I think they, they come to really respect it because they know that you're listening to them and counting on them. So sorry for the long answer, but hopefully that makes sense. It's valuable. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And I think what I'm really hearing there is you're making decisions not for yourself, but rather on behalf of the company. And it's taking on the mindset that, okay, if I'm going to make this decision or spend this money, is it in the best interest of active surgical? And what impact will it have um, on us, the team, and, and the growth of the company itself? Rather than thinking, well, you know what? I worked really hard this week and I have a budget for 100 bucks. Let me go spend it on dinner and, and treat myself. And it's kind of that, that shift in mindset. Does that resonate at all, Tom? It resonates a lot because you know what? Um, I absolutely believe in rewarding success and celebrating successes and having little milestones because that's the only, you know you, you can't just go on and expect good things. You have to call things out. But in your example, Scott, um, yeah. So I have a hundred dollars in my budget. Okay. You actually have nobody has anything in their budget. So is there a downside if you didn't need to spend something that you just saved a hundred dollars and now you're going to need that hundred dollars a month and a half from now, mm-hmm. and you're going to realize, wow, I'm glad I have this because I was smart in in the way I spent my money and now there's a huge opportunity or huge project that I can do. So um, I, I think when people realize that you know you get hired, um, even first line sellers are called territory managers. You're managing the territory. You're representing the company. Every single day that you walk outside, you represent the company. And I've always taken that um, when you, you know, the question you asked early, Ange, of, of being grounded and, and what makes you grounded every day to keep your feet on the, on the floor. But the same thing that, that ties right back to this, Scott, is um, the representation of a company is a big deal. Um, and I also realized this a long time ago. Um, and I've always shared this in, in developing any first-line regional sales manager or head of marketing or or R&D manager or operations manager for the first time is after your family, and I'd say this to you too as well, after your family and close friends, who the single most important person in someone's life, whether they think it is or not, is probably their boss because of what that boss potentially can control. 
It controls your livelihood. It controls your job. It controls your raises. It controls whether you're hired or fired. Potentially, if you work. So I say that two ways. One, so anyone that is a boss of someone, remember when I said you have to earn their respect, they don't have to earn yours. Um, you want people to run, willing to run through a wall for you because they know that you have their back. Mm-hmm. And a really important position and something that you shouldn't take lightly when you're someone's boss. They don't, mm-hmm. and, and, and the reason I say that is because who after your family and friends, I mean, it's a really big responsibility to be someone's boss. And, and I've always taken it seriously um, in a good way. And I hope people around me have done it as well. And I try to remind people of just the role that they're in. They're not in the boss's role so they can boss people around. So they can, they can just show off their business card, you know, and tell people how cool I am because I've been promoted. You know, the best bosses, people are, are really want to work for them. And like I said, they'll run through a wall for them. And um, so I, that's, that's, you know, the way I, I would, I, I try to think about every day of, of the roles that we play and, and the, the way that we, we hire and the way that we develop and the way you should be thinking about business. And treating mm. So you, you really yeah. hit a nerve there. Uh, sorry, I'm going to jump in for what no, you want to say and ask the last question here. Yeah, yeah. But you, you really hit a nerve when you told me about, you know, and you reiterated again, but it took a second time for me to hear it around the earning the respect of others. And, you know, I'll get a little vulnerable for a moment. I think Angela and I are doing that every single week where every week we check back in and we're always trying to earn each other's respect more and more. <laughs> and it's kind of this constant battle back and forth in a positive way. Yeah. I think it's one of the ways that we actually be able to, to elevate our performance. It helps push each other to do things that make us feel uncomfortable. And so, so yeah, I, I just, I wanted to share that because I think it really, uh, your, your comments struck a nerve. Yeah, uh, that- that's great. Definitely. And I mean, being a a self-proclaimed HR geek here, you know, the true definition of leadership is not around the type of title, but around uh, any form of codependency. So be an employee, a third party subcontractor, um, anybody from procurement perspective, you know, what you're describing is that every single day you show up for these people. Um, and that is the true definition of leadership. So we're so excited to have the opportunity to to sit with you. And I know that we could uh, kind of dig deeper for hours at a time. But we do have one more question for you here, Todd. Uh, what are three words of inspiration you would want the world to hear? Wow. Uh-huh. Um, three words of inspiration. Um, you know, I, I, I always think of... Um, inspiration is one of them. And, 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 you know, that's a, that's a weird one because people say, what are the thing, single things that you think are most important? It's um, being a true leader is someone that inspires others. And, um, but what I mean, I don't mean jumping up on the table, pounding your chest and say, follow me. It's just um, demonstrating that you have people's backs. They don't have to like you. They don't have to love you. You don't have to like them. You don't have to love them. You have to have your employees' backs, and when they know that you have their back, they're going to run through a wall for you. So mm-hmm. I think that's inspiring leadership. And then I actually have always said, um, you know, the expectation that everyone should have is if you're a leader or if you're being led to have, you have to set clear expectations. Tell me where I stand, and if you don't know it, it's your fault, meaning ask. Mm-hmm. And if you're a leader, don't expect because you write something on a board that everyone knows exactly how to run, do it, set clear expectations. So, um, and then the final one is about, and it is, it's inspiring others. It's setting clear direction and develop self and others. And 
no matter how high up you are on the totem pole of, of life or in business, um, it is really important to make sure that you continue to not only keep focusing on developing others, but develop ourselves. I, I have tons of development I could use. I, I'm always figuring out, God, I don't know this. I don't know that. And, and um, you should never be satisfied with where you are because of title. So continuing to develop and make sure that you're developing others. And if you create an environment that has inspiring leadership, that, that sets clear direction and is developing me and you, um, then I think we're in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. Inspire, developing people and setting expectations. Those are amazing last thoughts. Thanks for that, Todd. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it, um, both of you. And thanks for your time. And um, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Um, And we also really enjoy hearing about your entrepreneurial insights uh, from the CEO leadership seat with Intuitive Performance and our subscribers. Uh, For those who would like to learn more about your business, we'll provide a link to your company's profile on the Elevate Business Podcast title page. Take good care. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Business Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to future podcasts at intuityperformance.com, where you can also sign up for webinars and learn more about professional coaching and our facilitation solutions available to help fire up your whole person performance skills and drive actions for success. Until next time, stay true to you and take care of each other. We are all better together. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.